It's the Y'all Show. We have come to the end of the week. Oh, it is so wonderful to wrap up another week. We're in the middle of the month of June. Things are just rolling right along, and we're glad that you have decided to roll right along into the weekend with the show that is all about the South. I am General John Rawl, CSA, Certified Southern American, and here on this Friday edition, we're going to get the weekend going with all kinds of fun. We've got a look at this weekend's College World Series. Matt Hermans is the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue, and he reports on barbecue on Tuesdays when we can get the old boy to do it. He also tells us all about college baseball. He's an insider at y'all.com on college baseball, and he is going to tell us all about the six Southern teams that have found themselves in Omaha, Nebraska for the College World Series, and that College World Series preview is in the very next segment of this Friday Y'all Show. Also, in hour one of today's Y'all Show, we're going to take you back to Wednesday when Kenny Zhu was on. Kenny is the author of a great new book called An Inconvenient Minority, and it is about discrimination against Asian Americans. Kenny has spent time in North Carolina. He attended Davidson College and currently lives in Washington, D.C. And it is a fantastic interview, especially if you aren't up on Asian Americans and their great role in America and in the South. We talk about that in this clip. So we're going to have Kenny Zhu, a rewind of a portion of our Wednesday interview and that will be here in this hour in what we call I-C-Y-M-I, in case y'all missed it. That's coming up here on the first hour real, real soon. Before hour one is in the books, we're going to have Kobe Bennett drop by with a southern accent on southern sports. That's hour one. <laughs> and you know what? That's just one of three hours we got planned out for you for the weekend in our kickoff here in fact we'll kick the hour off we're really going to be kind of hypocritical because we're going to do something kind of adventurous and sinful and follow that up with something rather religious as we have our friday free for y'all because we do that here on this show we kind of have all kind of southern things including the wild and crazy and the very straight and narrow We'll kick off our second hour with David Lee Murphy's Party Crowd, getting you in the mood for the weekend. And you know what? That thing's going to have to be tampered down a bit because after we have David Lee Murphy and we invite you for the sing-along of that song to start hour two, we're going to tell you all about a hot new Christian contemporary act called We the Kingdom. And they have a song that has gone to number one. We the Kingdom is a group of five of which two of the five are brothers, and then another two are the children of one of those two brothers, and then there's a fifth guy from Kansas City. So it's sort of a family act, and they've had a song out called Holy Water, and I'm going to play that number one song. We the Kingdom won Best New Act at the most recent Dove Awards. They've been nominated for two Grammys, and we're going to tell you all about them today, sort of. And I mean that sort of because today... I thought it would be a good thing to play their Holy Water song in its entirety. You deserve to hear this very good contemporary Christian song in today's Y'all Show. Frankly, because I haven't played a contemporary Christian song recently on this Friday Free For Y'all Showcase. We've done bluegrass. We've done gospel. I think we've done, of course, country and a little bit of blues. 
But nothing, nothing from contemporary Christian. Of course, many contemporary Christian artists are based out of Nashville, and We the Kingdom is based out of Nashville. They're actually on Capitol's Christian Music Record imprint. And so we're going to let you hear Holy Water from this group. And as a bonus, you'll just have to stay tuned to the Y'all Show going forward because next week we're going to have an interview with We the Kingdom. And you're going to hear a roughly 20-minute interview with this great group. And we'll play portions of Holy Water and some of their other stuff. But we're not going to take the time to devote a full song when we get a chance to do the interview in a few days. So that's why we're going ahead and knocking out a song so you can kind of get familiar with their music. And then come next week, we'll play or let you hear the great interview that we'll have with We The Kingdom, WTK. That's part of our Friday Free For Y'all. Also, in Hour 2, Craig Faulkner's dropping by with his fishing forecast. I know it's got something to do with hot water. I don't know if Craig's in hot water or maybe the fish are in hot water, and that's a good thing. But we'll discuss it with our Southern Fishing Forecast from Craig Faulkner, hour number two of today's show. Also, we'll have headlines from across the South and a look at some of the movies that are appearing for the first time. Samuel L. Jackson, Chattanooga's own, is co-starring in a new movie out this weekend. We'll have that in hour two of today's program. Hour three, as we almost are out the door for the weekend We'll have an update on Southern sports, what's going on in the NBA, a big firing or or retirement, whatever you want to call it, on Thursday in Texas. We'll discuss that from the NBA world and more sports news. And we'll remind you of the College World Series field in Omaha as that begins this weekend. Plus, hour three today, we're going to get rather academic as we'll discuss the most liberal and most conservative colleges in the south and we'll throw out some in other portions of the country but you're going to learn a lot maybe some eye-opening stuff in hour three about the most liberal and most conservative colleges according to one website in the entire country and specifically here on this show we'll highlight those big time that are located in dixie that's hour three and we'll also look at more headlines and wrap it up with From Dixie with Love here on this Friday Y'all Show. Big, big show, as I promised you. And I promise you also that we welcome your input. If you have a question or comment and you want to be a part of the show, just text us. It's so easy. 803-816-1170. I'm going to give you about 20 seconds. Reach over there or pull out that desk drawer. Or pull it out of your console if you're driving down the highway. And go ahead, fumble through all the bills and all the extra gum wrappers or or cigarette packs you might have wherever you're located if you're a smoker. And find that pen and and get some kind of thing to write on. Yeah, I know you can do it. Yeah, there. Okay. All right, write this number down and and then transfer it over into your phone so you can have it stored. The Y'all Show text number and the call-in number are the same number. It's 803-816-1170. It's so easy to find us. We welcome your feedback. Do it. As Ben Stiller would say, do it. <laughs> and I encourage you to, to do it. We also are powered by our website that covers everything Southern. It's y'all.com, the South's homepage. 
Four little letters, Y-A-L-L dot com. If you need to write that down on the pen and paper, yeah, do that too. Y'all dot com presents the Y'all Show. Let's get into the stories here. Did you realize today is an official federal holiday, a federal holiday that was just signed into law on Thursday? Can you believe federal offices closed for Juneteenth And this thing just kind of got rushed through Congress and signed by Joseph R. Biden on Thursday. I am not believing it. I kind of went off on this holiday on Thursday discussing how it's really kind of crazy that we're just rushing something like this that most people had never heard of until the last couple of years, no matter your race. And here we are, not only passing this new, I call it made-up holiday, It doesn't need to be, in my opinion, a day where people take off from work. It can be recognized like Flag Day, as I mentioned Thursday. And today, it is a federal holiday. You're not going to be able to go to the post office. The U.S. Office of Personnel Management on Thursday, just after President Biden signed this thing into law, they sent out a notice. Today, POTUS, that would be Biden, signs the Juneteenth National Independence Day Act and it establishes June 19th as a federal holiday as the 19th falls on a Saturday most federal employees will observe the holiday and they put this on Thursday tomorrow in this case today June 18th so lo and behold if you're a federal worker you just found out thursday that you don't have to go to work today is that crazy i thought that when this thing became law it would be set to kick in and be a holiday maybe next year two three years down the road where people would not have to work and this thing's now been declared a federal holiday today technically saturday but the employees don't have to show up to work it's absolutely stunning that this thing would be rushed through with much little or no debate hardly. And now you're seeing states like West Virginia and Kay Ivey in Alabama both announcing Thursday that they're going to honor Juneteenth as a state holiday going forward. So state workers are off and federal. (sighs) No wonder this country is just slipping and slipping and slipping. We're, just going through money like it doesn't matter, giving people days off, giving people unemployment for months and months and months, people that some deserve, some don't deserve. I'm, I'm picking on the ones that don't deserve it, in my opinion. You know who you are. And here we are creating this unbelievable thing as a paid holiday when it could have been just recognized, but you don't dare go up against people like Sheila Jackson Lee when you're in Washington, D.C., And that's why this thing's now, without much counterpoint, is now written into law. And federal offices closed mostly here today. An update from Holly Springs, Georgia. We now know the identity of the police officer from Holly Springs, Georgia, that was killed early on Thursday morning as Holly Springs, Georgia police officer Joe Burson, age 25, died in the line of duty as he was conducting a traffic stop on a speeding 
vehicle in Cherokee County, Georgia, 50 miles to the north of Atlanta. He was conducting this traffic stop late on Wednesday night when the suspect dragged Burson with his vehicle, according to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Burson, who was wearing a body camera at the time, fired shots at the suspect during the traffic stop. Ultimately, neither he nor the suspect could be saved. That's right, the suspect that did the dragging and all this ended up being shot and killed by this Holly Springs, Georgia police officer. The chief of Holly Springs, Tommy Kelly, said Burson was a relatively new officer who had been on the force for between a year and a half to a year and praised him as a, quote, model officer. As he said, if you have the ability to clone police officers, you would have wanted your officers to be Joe Burson. He has been an asset to this department. He will be greatly missed. Again, sad news. Burson was married but had no children. The police chief in Holly Springs, Georgia, said he and other command staff had notified Burson's wife in person shortly after they were made aware that he had been killed during this traffic stop in Georgia. I don't have a name of the person who killed him during this traffic stop. But again, that person has died as a result of their stupidity in Holly Springs, Georgia. Our thoughts out to the Burson family and to the Holly Springs, Georgia Police Department. Up next, a victory in the Supreme Court on Thursday for religious groups around the country. As on Thursday, the Supreme Court unanimously sided with a Catholic foster care agency that says its religious views prevent it from working with same-sex couples. The court said the city of Philadelphia wrongly limited its relationship with the group as a result of the agency's policy. How about that? Unanimous decision going more toward the conservative side in this case. The ruling was specific to the facts of the case as it sidestepped bigger questions about how to balance religious freedom and anti-discrimination laws. The outcome turned on the language in the city's foster care contract Three conservative justices would have gone much further, and LGBTQ groups said they were relieved that the decision was limited. The Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, John Roberts, wrote the majority writing of this case, and he said in his summary that Catholic Social Services seeks only an accommodation that will allow it to continue serving the children of Philadelphia in a manner consistent with its religious beliefs, It does not seek to impose those beliefs on anyone else. That from the nation's highest court. And because of its beliefs, the Catholic agency also does not certify unmarried couples. How about that? But on Thursday, again, a ruling from the Supreme Court, a victory for religious groups, according to legal insiders. Now, speaking of the law, And a case that ultimately could end up before the Supreme Court, but not quite yet. This one's been more weighed in the Fox Newses of the world over the last year. Remember that gun-waving couple in St. Louis that went out after Black Lives Matter people came into their neighborhood in St. Louis last summer and allegedly threatened this couple? The man went out along with his wife. I think they both had guns. 
like high-powered guns? Well, this couple, Patricia and Mark McCloskey, who gained fame at pointing guns at these Black Lives Matter and social justice warriors, they pleaded guilty Thursday in St. Louis to misdemeanor charges. But the man left the courthouse defiantly pledging to do it again if faced with the same circumstances. Now, McCloskey, a lawyer, and from what I remember, he is, at least in the past, more of the liberal side of things. Patricia McCloskey, his wife, pleaded guilty to misdemeanor harassment and was fined $2,000. Her hubby, Mark, pleaded guilty to misdemeanor fourth-degree assault and was fined $750. He got a lot better deal than his wife. The McCluskey's also agreed to give up the weapons they used during the confrontation. That might be more painful than the fines that they're having to pay. The McCluskey, who are both lawyers, not just the husband, the wife is too. They're in their age of they're in their sixties. They were there and spoke calmly in the St. Louis court and answered ju- questions from Judge David Mason. Mason asked Mark if he acknowledged that his actions put people at risk of personal injuries. And McCloskey actually answered, I sure did, Your Honor. Now, Mark announced in May that he is running for a U.S. Senate seat in Missouri, was unapologetic after the hearing. So this guy could end up being a U.S. senator. I guess, who is it uh, from Missouri? Not Hawley. It's the other senior senator must not be running for re-election. So there'll be an opportunity for this guy, if he wants to run as a Republican, to perhaps be the show-me state's next senator. Is it Senator Bond? Let's see here. That's why here on the Y'all, we have a really, really good staff member called Google that can help us out when we get stumped. (laughs) Missouri U.S. Senator is Roy Blunt. Roy Blunt evidently is not running for re-election next year. Therefore, there's going to be a race to fill that Senate seat. The junior senator, Josh Hawley, who many people love and many people dislike. Up next, a story out of Tennessee. Are you kidding me? This is normally the kind of story reserved for hmm, Florida. A woman in Tennessee naked and armed with an axe, is now accused of vandalizing a Walmart. In Knoxville, officers there responding to this Walmart after a caller said a naked woman was throwing items at employees and defecated on herself, according to this police report. And she was found partially naked and using an axe inside this Knoxville Walmart. 35-year-old Nashe Brown found in the sporting goods section with an axe and a knife tucked into her bra. The officers ordered her to drop the axe, but she allegedly refused to comply. One officer attempted to use a taser, but it was ineffective. Another officer there with the KPD used their taser, and Brown was taken into custody. She's charged with disorderly conduct, resisting arrest, and vandalism up to $1,000. She's being currently held in the Knox County Jail. Walmart estimated more than $500 worth of property was vandalized. Again, this woman partially naked, defecating on herself with an axe. Huh. Not not a pretty scene there in Walmart in Knoxville. I do have to wonder, though, when the officers were told that she had that weapon, if they tried to maybe 
lower the ten- tension there with a question. Ma'am, can I ask you a question? <laughs> maybe that lower. Maybe that took her into custody. They didn't shoot her. I mean, we're not talking about her getting killed in Walmart, and she, Lord knows, had a weapon. So that's a positive thing for law enforcement to get this woman. Obviously, some help is what she needs. In West Virginia, they need help getting people the vaccine. So what's what's West Virginia doing? Governor Jim Justice announcing now that more than 240,000 Mountain State residents have registered for the very first drawing in the state of West Virginia's COVID-19 vaccine lottery. They have had such a hard time getting people to sign up and get vaccinated that they're having to create a darn lottery and they're going to have weekly drawings. The first drawing for the vaccine sign-up deal is going to be Sunday during West Virginia's celebration of West Virginia Day at the state capitol in Charleston. As the governor said, we're going to give away a lot of neat stuff, and it's all in an effort to get more and more of our folks vaccinated. What are they giving away? Well, first you need to register to the vaccine. you got to register for Sunday's drawing. Well, it's too late. You had to register by Wednesday. But residents can sign up for future drawings to get your vaccination and get your lucky, perhaps, ticket. As Governor Justice saying, continue to register. We're going to give away these drawings weekly, he says. We're going to give away a million dollars every week. Where is that money coming from? I bet it's not coming from West by God, Virginia. I think it's probably coming from the entire country and it's taxes and your taxpayer money going to give away money so people will get a vaccination in West Virginia. Governor Justice also said we're going to give away automobiles, trucks, and free scholarships. If you're not registered according to the governor, continue to register. West Virginians 12 to 17 years of age who have received at least their first dose of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine may enter for a chance to win one of five four-year full-ride scholarships, including room and board, tuition and books at any West Virginia state college or university. That is a pretty good deal all for getting vaccinated. In fact, they've got a name. You're, you're not going to believe this. They actually have a name. Somebody's getting paid way too much money in the marketing department of the state of West Virginia. This vaccine lottery program where you can win prizes and money just to get vaccinated. Why did my state offer this, I wonder? Uh, the lottery program is named Do It for Baby Dog, and that's after Governor Jim Justice's English Bulldog. I guess it's called Baby Dog. So he's got his own dog pimping out people to try to save a life and change your life in in West Virginia, baby dog. Come on, Governor. You can do better than that. And lastly, as we look at headlines across the southeast, we'll take you from West Virginia now to another scary place, Tennessee. And it is scary because, unfortunately, if you're a scaredy cat in terms of animals, Tennessee's on the rise for scary creatures as the Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency, a.k.a. TWRA, is seeing an increase of big game, big scary game heading into the volunteer state. First of all, let's talk about something that's not all that common in the South 
but we got a few, and evidently more coming in Tennessee. Cougars. Cougars on the rise in the volunteer state. Mountain lions, cougars, panthers, whatever you want to call them, there's more and more in the state of Tennessee. And I'm, I've been told they're scattered really throughout the entire state. That's what my Tennessee outdoorsman has informed me. You also have a rise in Tennessee. Some of you Tennesseans might be packing up right now and heading to a much more safer place like Florida. No, I wouldn't go there if you were scared of animals. Because they got a lot of panthers in Florida. And you know what they also got in Florida? I heard they have a lot of alligators. And you know what? Tennessee's got alligators. Gators on the rise in Tennessee. Definitely in West Tennessee. Middle Tennessee's seen some. And heck, I, I think I've even heard about East Tennessee having alligators swimming up the Tennessee River primarily into East Tennessee. TWRA said that until a breeding population is established in its borders, the occasional spotting is simply an animal exploring for a new home range. That is, if you see a cougar and or a alligator out in the Tennessee wild or in your backyard. Oh, by the way, Tennessee also has a very, very large number of bears. So you got bears, cougars, and gators. Almost sounds like some kind of SEC football game. But in this case, in the great state of Tennessee, it's all all right there in front of you, and you better be on the lookout next time you get ready to take that week's worth of trash to the curb. You just might spot a mountain lion or panther or cougar, your choice of words, and you might spot a black bear. I don't think you're going to run into an alligator, but did y'all see the other day? I think it was in Florida. An alligator was in a fast food restaurant, I think, or a grocery store or something like that. Yeah, sorry about that, Tennessee. You better be on the lookout. But what you don't need to be scared of is this show right here. We are y'all talk with a Southern accent. We cover all things Southern, and we're not done. We are just getting started on this Friday edition. When we come back, stay tuned. We're going to talk about the College World Series. It's ready, and it's set, and it's on go for the 2021 edition. Vanderbilt rides back into Omaha as the defending national champion. We'll discuss Vandy and Tennessee and all the great teams from the South, including Mississippi State and NC State, making their way to Omaha, Nebraska for the College World Series. Matt Hermans is on with that preview, and that is coming up next. Welcome Horns! The Texas Longhorns are back in the College World Series. I'm John Rawl, and we are talking College World Series right now. Matt Hermans is a college baseball insider at y'all.com. He's also the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue here on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. UT joins the other UT at the College World Series. The Tennessee Vols are one of three SEC teams that are in Omaha. 
Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and the Mississippi State Bulldogs are in the College World Series. They joined two teams from the ACC this week as NC State and Virginia also making their way to the College World Series. Two teams from the Pac-12 also punched their ticket, the Stanford Cardinal and the Arizona Wildcats. So, Matt Hermans, as we welcome you back into the Y'all Show and talk a little college baseball, baseball how about those six Southern teams? You got Texas and you got Mississippi State and the two teams from the Volunteer State, from the 615, the Vanderbilt Commodores and those Tennessee Vols back to the College World Series. And then from the ACC, oh, it's the Who's of Virginia. And, whoo, what a surprise, the NC State Wolfpack. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's a great time of year. You've got some surprises in there, and you've got some not-so-surprising results. But uh, you can always count on some interesting stuff going on, especially in the regionals and super regionals. Um, it's uh, it's been a wild one, put it that way. North well, Carolina the biggest State surprise, I think. Back. Yeah, I'm going to steal the words from your mouth. I think when you talk about surprises, a big surprise in the ACC's NC State Wolfpack going to Fayetteville and getting that victory over the team that was supposed to be gliding right to a national championship, the Omaha Hogs. Yeah, to say that was a surprise is uh, under understating. We've talked um, quite a bit about the strength of the Hogs all year, and they have been the best team from start to finish uh, during the uh, 2021 campaign. So to see them falter, NC, NC State is a team that, you know, they got into the tournament, but they certainly weren't a high seed. Uh, they were not terribly um, – They were a three seed, weren't they, in a Ruston, Louisiana? Regional? Correct, correct. So they were not one of the teams that were uh, that were challenging to win the ACC. Um, they were a team that had some serious downs this year. But sometimes you get hot, and sometimes your head uh, coach, uh, in the case of the Hogs, makes a questionable decision. And uh, in my opinion, you take you take advantage of that. And the North Carolina State Wolfpack did. And congrats to them. They have chosen the postseason to play their best baseball of the entire year, and it's not close. All right, so NC State really with a shocker there at Baum Walker Stadium, I believe is what it's now called. Yes. And they got the victory in game three against Arkansas. Great scene there, almost 13,000 people, I think, there in Fayetteville for that college baseball game three. But NC State, which you talk about overcoming adversity. Matt Hermans, when they first played on Friday, what was that final score in game one? It was one of these big scores. <laughs> it yeah. was twenty-one to two, wasn't it? It was something like that. Yeah, yeah, twenty-one to two. They got it, they got the bad end of that deal for sure. Yeah, and that shows you how crazy this game is. You get beat that bad, you just know that it's just not your time. And here they go bouncing back from that and win the next two, and they're Omaha bound for the first time in about eight years. Elliot Avance team, Mister Rattlesnake comes through yeah the, uh you're right you talk you know why i called guy. him that right no i don't why he, he got bit by a rattlesnake about five years ago oh wow the head coach wow. of nc state and he ended up having a miss you know what i think i heard that i think yeah. i remember that now that yeah. you bring it up i do remember that yeah, yeah that was during the postseason wasn't it it was right at the start it might have been the year coastal yeah. carolina went mm-hmm. into raleigh and beat them and then went on to right. win the national championship 
Yeah, I, I do remember that. Wow, I forgot Snake Man. Um, well, that that uh, it looks like he's healed up from that. He's Snake uh, Man, but Arkansas is now Snake Bit. Arkansas, yeah, and they are they are not happy piggies either in uh, Fayetteville. Uh, no. Obviously, that was, can you blame them? They did not expect that to happen. No, I cannot blame them. I cannot blame them. Yeah. No. Okay. So that was a huge shock there. And then let's talk about how Tennessee cruised you thought they'd at least lose maybe one to lsu and the vols picking up a big ticket to omaha their first ticket in about 13 years i think yeah um tennessee had no issues with lsu um lsu is a team that 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 really barely got into the tournament um could have missed and, and i don't think anybody would have blinked um which is crazy to say because lsu is a power in baseball year in and year out but um, they're going through some changes there in Baton Rouge, um, obviously on the on the getting ready to on the coaching side. So not not a not a terribly wonderful season for the for the Bayou Bengals, but uh, Tennessee took care of business. LSU is still a talented team; they could still jump up and get you and get hot. And, and Tennessee just said, "No, no, we're uh, we're going to go ahead and move on." But uh, no no hiccups at all for the Vols. They're looking strong at this point. I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got to be one of the favorites, uh, one of the two or three favorites going into the College World Series, I would say. And Matt Herman's our baseball guru, college baseball guru here on the Y'all Show. You mentioned LSU, Palmineri with his last game there in that second game in Knoxville. Any word, what are you hearing about the vacancy for LSU? Uh, not a whole lot, but I will tell you this. Um, LSU is a job that any baseball coach in the country would would take a look at. I think Texas A&M just, um, I'll say dodged a bullet. They hired Jim Schlossnagel from TCU, who's a great coach. I think uh, that may have been someone that may have made a short list um, for for LSU as well. Um, and I think A&M wrapping them up is probably a win for them. Uh, LSU is going to be able to have – a lot of options put it that way that's a program with an incredible history and um great facilities and and a a, a wildly impressive legacy so um i don't know where they're going to shoot for yet i think they've been really classy about kind of waiting um on the end of the season for coach maneri he's got he's done so much there uh, in baton rouge but uh, they're going to have their pick of the litter if you want to put it that way well tennessee advances from the volunteer state they're not the only team from the Volunteer State Omaha bound. How about the job of Tim Corbin and Kumar Rocker and others as Vanderbilt advances? The defending national champion is going back to Omaha to defend their title. And, John, that's a team that could defend all the way to the end as well. Vandy is, you know, there's a lot of good on that team, but, you know, you got Kumar Rocker and you got Jack Leiter. These are two guys who are incredible. These are these are these are at major league pitchers. Obviously, uh, these are guys who could have gone to. Uh, they could be cruising on buses right now in minor league ball if they wanted to, making pretty decent money. Uh, but they came back to Vandy to do exactly what they're doing now, and they have been dominant, both of them. Um, so. You don't want to face either one of those guys. It's not, they're not unhittable, but when they're on, you know, you need to win a ball game with two or three runs to beat Vanderbilt. They're just that good. Um, and, of course, the lineup has plenty of pop in the bats as well. There's just not a weakness there for Vandy. Um, it's a strong club. If, if anything, you would say that maybe the offense of a Tennessee, for instance, is probably a little bit better, but 
when you got Rocker and Lighter out there on, uh, you know, starting consecutive games, that gives you a pretty good chance to go up 2-0. All right. Let's move over to a Big 12 team in Texas. They took care of business in the Super Regional against USF and Texas is back in Omaha. Is this the first time they will be going to Omaha with the Augie replacement? Post Augie. Yeah, yeah. So um, you're right. Texas um, got a very, very favorable draw. Texas is a fine ball club. Um, but, of course, they, they got South Florida who got hot uh, and kind of rolled their way through the regionals. Um, so in South Florida is a club that, that was not terribly – hanging around 500 the whole year. Uh, so you kind of expected them to come maybe cool off at some point, and they did. Texas had no issues with, with South Florida whatsoever. Um, but that's not to take anything away from Texas. They had a fine year. That's a good ball club. You got some other pretty pretty fine arms for the Texas Longhorns. You got Ty Madden, who is just a, a smoke blower. I mean, this dude will touch 99 from time to time. He's, uh, he's, a, he's a major league guy, probably a first-rounder as well. So – um, it'll be curious, though, to see. Texas has had a pretty – I don't want to say easy. I don't want to disparage any of the teams they've beaten. They, they're there for a reason. But they've had a their, – their, their road could have been tougher. So it'll be curious to see how they uh, adjust to a much higher level of competition here in the College World Series. All right, Matt Hermans. Two Pac-12 teams were able to take care of business, one against a Big 12 team, one against an SEC team as Stanford – and Arizona both march on to Omaha. Your thoughts on what they did against the Southern boys? Yeah, so my first thought is uh, Pac-12 uh, was took some serious heat <laughs> for uh, for maybe uh, strength of schedule and maybe just overall strength of league, but they have come to play. Um, they have eliminated a, a very good ball club in the Ole Miss Rebels, um, respectively, as Arizona did uh, last night in convincing fashion. And Stanford just absolutely came in and dominated Texas Tech. Uh, the Red Raiders just were never in either one of those games. And um, so, and that was a national seed, and they, they did that in Lubbock. Uh, that's not a small feat. So, uh, the Pac 12 is certainly acquitting themselves very, very well, and both teams look strong. All right. So, your early prediction of what you expect to happen in Omaha, who might be hoisting a trophy if you had to predict right now? Well, we got a, we still got a couple, um, you know, series that need to be wrapped up. But I would say at this very moment, um, you know, Vanderbilt is always a strong contender. They've been strong the whole year. Tennessee looks like maybe the most dominant team at this point right now. Um, Arizona, they're swinging the bats at an unbelievable rate right now um, as well. I mean, if you're going to hold me to it, I would say it's going to be one of those three, Arizona okay. uh, or um, – and I guess if you really, really press me, uh, I really like I really like the way the balls have been playing ball. Uh, so if you if you put me on the spot here, I will uh, I'll lean to Tennessee, the boys from Knoxville. Hey, that's what we have you on here, Matt Hermans. We want your gut instinct of what's going on. And unlike Vanderbilt, Tennessee doesn't reside in Omaha too often in June, and so they're going to take advantage of that, and probably going to have a lot of fans working their way up from Tennessee oh, to Omaha for this really awesome, it should be the most attended College World Series, If assuming they got 100% capacity there. It ought to be 
plenty of people who've been locked up for over a year. They're ready to go out and see something spectacular, and I think the College World Series of 2021 is going to offer just that. Matt Harrimans, thank you so much for your insight. We look forward to getting on with you again next week as we get right in the middle by that time of what's going on in the College World Series. I can't wait. I love it. I bet you can't wait. We've got more of this first hour of the Y'all Show. Hang on after the break. Kenny Zhu, author of a great new book out called An Inconvenient Minority. It's about Asian American discrimination. Kenny is on with us in the next segment for ICYMI. In case y'all missed it, this is the Y'all Show. Trying so hard just to talk to you Haven't heard half of what you want me to Continuing on with Talk With a Southern Accent with John Rawl. Hey, we have great interviews throughout the week here on Talk With a Southern Accent. And on Wednesday, we had a very, very savvy young author on Kenny Zoo. He's penned the new book, An Inconvenient Minority. It is about Asian-American discrimination, specifically in higher education, how Asian Americans are being shut out of some of America's most elite universities. There's a Supreme Court case right now that's going on, and we discussed all that on Wednesday. Right now on the Y'all Show, as we have this Friday opportunity to rewind a bit, we're going to rewind to our Wednesday interview and have a portion of our conversation with Kenny Zhu. And this Davidson College alumnus has this book out, and right now on the Y'all Show, it's I-C-Y-M-I, in case y'all missed it, a portion of our Wednesday interview with Kenny Zhu. I think you need to see the way uh, Asian Americans, you know, um, work hard and really achieve the American dream for themselves. You know, they come out of poverty. They come, uh, a lot of them come with no money into this country, and they show that with hard work and experience, they're able to achieve. Uh, and they become some of their most productive members in American society. Your doctor is likely to be Asian American. The engineers in your building sometimes, in the tech industry and everything like that. I think it's an amazing success story. And there's no reason that we should be trying to attack people's talent just because they're talented. That's right. And one of the things, uh, your book, I think, covers it, but I've seen either on your website which is well worth visiting, it's inconvenientminority.com, is the fact that Asians, on average, work an extra 20 hours more than their white and black counterparts. Mm -hmm. They study, and they they study twice as many hours. Do they, really? As the average American as well. Yeah, this is is backed by research. Hmm. You know, um, when I was... When I was growing up, you know, I was always encouraged to study. But, of course, my parents were a little different because we know that studying is not going to get you everywhere. It's not just academic excellence in America. Uh, Being academically excellent is a good thing by all means, but you need to have a level of acumen that is not just academically oriented. So that's something I think Asian Americans still need to work on, and that's actually something I touch in my book, An Inconvenient Minority. And your book and your website also stands out because on the political spectrum, Kenny Shu, you fall into the conservative corner, which, again, we don't hear or see 
all that many Asian Americans who are proudly in that corner? Mm. Well, the Asian Americans have conservative values. I mean, we love family. We respect education. Uh, we respect academics. We want to work hard. Um, and we believe in that. And also, we don't believe that everybody um, should be given the same thing, especially those who work less. You don't want somebody who works a third as much as you to be promoted over you. Um, and so I think Asian Americans are inherently conservative. But sometimes you have identity politics, say you Asian Americans, you're a victim, vote for Democrats, become liberal. And so sometimes they'll vote the other way. But I think Asian Americans are inherently conservative. All right. Very well put there. And let's talk about Asian Americans in this part of the world, the 16 states of the American South. There are sizable communities in places like Atlanta and Dallas and Houston, maybe not as much in some of the other states of the South. This is old numbers. I don't have the latest census numbers, but nearly 100,000 Asians were in Alabama, for example, in the 2010 census. When you look at a state like Florida, more than a half a million Asian Americans identified in that state. And I'll even brag on Mississippi. Do you know much about the Asian American community in the state of Mississippi? I'll be honest with you. I have no idea. (laughs) Well, I don't know what was going on in the world, but more than 100 years ago, a sizable number of Chinese immigrated into the Mississippi Delta. And you find a sizable population of Chinese immigrants who have been there a hundred years, and so their names are Bubba and uh, other common Anglo names, and they have been very successful in that portion of the state of Mississippi. But basically, Kenny, they're Chinese American rednecks, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> I love it. I love, yeah. I love country music too. I told you, I'm not lying about that. I went to a Luke Bryan concert, and two Zach Brown concerts. That's not country, Kenny. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> now luke combs that, that's okay <laughs> yeah so you said you saw luke brian how was it uh everyone was drunk <laughs> is that right oh to be a college student again thank you to kenny zoo for coming on again that interview in its entirety available at y'all.com you can watch that interview with kenny the davidson alumnus We'll be right back on the Y'all Show. Close out hour one with a Southern accent on Southern sports. Southern accent. Here's your Southern sports update from Y'all.com. I'm Cubby Bennett. The U.S. Open begins this Thursday, June 17th, and eyes are on one of the hot rivalries that come out of this year's season between Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka. DeChambeau, who resides in Dallas, Texas, is the longest driver on the PGA Tour and the winner of the 2020 U.S. Open, while Kepka, who hails from West Palm Beach, has two U.S. Open victories under his belt in 2017 and 2018. The feud between the two pro golfers began with a video leaked of a post-round Golf Channel interview from the PGA Championship, showing Kepka rolling his eyes and cursing when DeChambeau walked behind him in a shot, leaving Kepka visibly annoyed and frustrated. The rivalry's only grown from there on social media, with Kepka believing the beef between the two of them to be good for the game. The two golfers have never met in one-on-one competition, so it remains to be seen who would win in that capacity, and hopefully they'll meet at this year's U.S. Open. Sports headlines and more at y'all.com. Thank you, Mr. Kobe. Well, that concludes the first hour. We've got two more fantastic hours of the show all about the South coming your way 
Hang on. We're going to have some fun to start Hour 2, David Lee Murphy and Party Crowd. And we're going to tie that up with a great Christian song, Holy Water, from new contemporary Christian act, We the Kingdom. That plus Craig Faulkner and our fishing forecast in Hour 2. This is the Y'all Show. Back for more, this is the Y'all Show, kicking off Hour 2 as we get you ready for the weekend and time to get your, yeah, you know what on, yeah. She couldn't keep from crying when she told me goodbye, but I knew the Lord it was breaking her heart and she was breaking mine. So for the sake of her feelings and the sake of my pride, I told her not to worry about me. So I'm sitting here soaking up the neon lights, misery looking for some company. And tonight I'm looking for a party crowd, slamming her back and laughing out loud with the smoke so thick, the blues can't hang around. With the jukebox jumping like I just don't care If they're dancing over here or fighting over there I'm making the rounds Looking for a party crowd It'll dawn on me tomorrow Wherever I wake up I'll look back and try to recall Just where the heck's my truck so take my keys and lock them up tight Let the good times flow And I worry about tomorrow when it comes to light The night's still young and I'm on the road tonight I'm looking for a party cry Slamming them back and laughing out loud Where the smoke's so thick The blues can't hang around with the jukebox jumping like it just don't care If they're dancing over here or fighting over there I'm making the rounds looking for a party crowd Yes sir, it's the weekend. Yes ma'am, it's the weekend. It is summertime in the South. And you know what you've got planned for fun this weekend and let a song like this kind of steer you to the fun and speaking of fun we do this it's a tradition you know if you've heard this show before it is time and don't be shy come on let me hear you sing along here we go with the jukebox jumping like you just don't care if they're dancing over here or fighting over there i'm making the rounds Looking for a party crowd. It's the only time all week we ask you to sing along, and here it is. Looking for a party crowd, slamming them back and laughing out loud where the smoke's so thick, the blues can't hang around. But we're glad that you are hanging around for hour two of the Y'all Show. Jumping like you just don't care if they're dancing over here or fighting over there. Thank you. David Lee Murphy. Isn't that just so much fun when we hit this time each week of having a song like that get you 
ready for the weekend, a time to have a good time, and your definition of a party could be sitting at home with your family and singing gospel tunes, for goodness sake. I don't care what your definition is. As long as you're having a good time, that is our objective. If you're sitting at home planning out how to donate your billions of dollars, like Mackenzie Bezos, Scott, or whatever her last name is now, if that's what you're doing this weekend, and it puts you in a good mood to hear a song like that from David Lee Murphy, good on you. Be the change. But you might have missed something I just said. If you're with your family this weekend, definitely have a good time. And there is a new music group that essentially is with family all the time because they're a music group that has four members of the same family as a part of this group. And then there's the oddball. (laughs) Congratulations to Contemporary Christian Act, We the Kingdom. This is a group that includes two brothers. You got Ed Cash and Scott Cash. No relation to John R. Cash, by the way. Not that I know of. These two brothers, and I'm just going to take a guess. They're probably in their mid-40s, if I had to kind of guess. They grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, ultimately moved to Middle Tennessee, chasing the music thing. Not necessarily the neon rainbow, but the gospel rainbow. And they've had good success in the music career as writers and working in production and more and contemporary Christian music, working with people like Chris Tomlin and more. And these fellas, brothers, like literally brothers, blood brothers, not just, hey, you're, he's my brother. No, these, not a brother in Christ. These are actual brothers and likely brothers in Christ too. They moved to Nashville, and Ed had a couple of kids. He's got a daughter who just got married last year, Franny. Franny's his beautiful daughter, and he's got a beautiful son, Martin. And those four, along with a friend named Andrew Berktold, formed just the other year Contemporary Christian Act, We the Kingdom. And let me brag on We the Kingdom. And just over a year, this multi-generational family of musicians have garnered two Grammy nominations. They've got a Dove Award, New Artist of the Year for the year 2020. And We the Kingdom was named Billboard's number one top new Christian artist of the year 2020. And they did all of this despite a worldwide pandemic. More data to pass along about We the Kingdom. They have now more than 265 million global streams. And they've got over 195,000 social media fans. We would love to have some of those fans come our way. Hey, we the kingdom, can you, can you help a, a brother in Christ out? If you, if you can. No, I don't, I don't want to go there. We're not here about this. about y'all. Not, not, not y'all listening, but y'all is in we the kingdom. And they are finally out on the road. They have sold out the first nine shows that they have. And I'm going to tell you the tour stops. They're on the road right now in Florida. We, the kingdom, a fivesome of talented Southerners who are making great music. 
their 2019 debut album hit the top of the charts, Holy Water, and it had two back-to-back number ones. One was a song called God So Loved. The other is the title track that I'm going to play in just a handful of seconds here on the Y'all Show. We the Kingdom. What a great entry into the music world for this group. Again, a Dove Award-winning act, a Billboard number 1 Top New Christian Artist Act for the year 2020. And they're from here in the South, and they're not just a couple of older guys or just a couple of young folks. They're they're both. They're the dads and the kids. And, and then you throw in the guy from Missouri, <laughs> as that's where Andrew Burke told is a native of Kansas City. And it makes for a great combination. We, the kingdom. Now, let me tell you where they're performing, and then I'm going to tell you something really cool about this contemporary Christian act. They're on the road. And on Thursday evening, they played in Fort Myers, Florida. On this Friday, they're playing in Largo at the Indian Rocks Baptist Church. All sold-out performances, by the way. On Saturday, they'll be at Boca Raton. And Sunday, they wind up their Sunshine State Swing with a performance at Trinity Baptist Church in Jacksonville. And big crowds await whenever they show up for these performances. Now, in the near future, we, the kingdom in the south, they'll be in their new adopted hometown because they actually live there. But as I said, at least the two brothers are natives of the Queen City of Charlotte. They'll be in Franklin on July 27th, Franklin, Tennessee. Then they'll also make their way to North Carolina, the native state, Wilkesboro. They'll be performing there August 28th at Wilkes Community College and a few other dates thrown in. You can go to their website, wethekingdom.com, and learn about touring the Holy Water Tour that they have going on right now. They really weren't able to tour in 2020 right when this thing came out. So they're just finally getting up and going and doing a, a fantastic job, We the Kingdom. Now, a special announcement. And you know what? I'm going to save that. I'm going to save special announcement about We the Kingdom until after we hear from We the Kingdom because we deserve to hear that song that went to number one. This was the second of the two songs they had that went to the top of the charts on the contemporary Christian side of things. It is called Holy Water, and enjoy this right here as it's being played. You're going to hear on the lead, the daughter of the bunch in her role, and we'll tell you more about it after you hear from We the Kingdom. Like sweet. 
The number one song from We the Kingdom, the Dove Award-winning contemporary Christian group. And you heard there a big, powerful voice coming from Franny, the daughter of Ed, Ed Cash, Scott Cash, along with Franny, Ed's daughter, Ed's son, Martin, and their friend, Andrew Berktold. They make up the fivesome that is We the Kingdom, and that from their debut album by the same name, Holy Water. Here on the Y'all Show, we wish them the best of luck. And now for the big surprise. Are y'all ready for this? We're going to have an interview with We the Kingdom next week on the Y'all Show. But I'm not going to give all the goodies away. You're going to have to tune in next week, and I'll tell you what day it's going to be running. (laughs) How about them apples? But yeah, we're going to have a great interview with contemporary Christian group We the Kingdom next week right here on Talk with a Southern Accent. You do not want to miss that one.
I can make a living from walking in the woods. You can bet I be sitting pretty good high on a hill, looking at a field downwind. If I can make a nickel off of turning in bass, never worry about the price of gas. I'll be wheeling and dealing and sitting there reeling them in. Hunting, fishing, loving every day. That's the prayer that a country boy prays. Thank God he made me this way. Hunting, fishing, loving every day. It's the Y'all Show, getting you ready for... All of you to go maybe hunting or fishing on this big weekend. I'm John Rawl now on the Y'all Show, joined by Craig Faulkner. It is time for the South Premier Outdoorsman, Craig Faulkner, and his fishing forecast for the weekend. And Craig, oh my goodness, it's June. It's hot. I know it's hot outside. But what about the South waterways? Is it hot? And if it is, what does that mean for the outdoors? How are you today, John? I'm good. I'm hot. Well, it, it's getting hot, and uh, it tends to happen every year about this time. I would hope so. And uh, coronavirus or not, exactly, it's it's going to happen. A uh, couple of things I want to bring up today. I don't have a lot of experience in, but I, I have been around them and done them both uh, a few times. Uh, one one sport that's gotten really big in popularity over the last few years is uh, bow fishing and people bow fish at night and people are rigging up uh, boats today so built specifically for bow fishing putting a lot of money in these boats uh, I think the Asian carp being introduced into the waters throughout the south has uh, helped bow fishing gain in popularity and people are shooting Asian carp and gar, uh, just just trash fish, just as a sport. And uh, like I said, it's it's really gotten popular. And another thing, uh, another activity or sport, if you want to call it, I'd call it a daredevil sport myself. Uh, it's called noodling or grabbling, which uh, if you're not familiar with that, it's actually sticking your hand inside a hollow log or a man-made uh, cavity for catfish and anticipating the catfish to bite down on your hand, and then you muscle that fish out of that hole. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the TV shows about that. I have not yet done it because I actually value all ten of my fingers. But those are two things you talk about, the uh, catfish and noodling, noodling and, and then also bow hunting for fish. Those are things you do during the warm water times. Exactly. Of the year, right? Well, with the noodling, uh, of course, you got to be in the water to do that. Mm-hmm. And with the uh, bow fishing, uh, the uh, trash fish will come into the backs of creeks and uh, steal areas uh, at night. And they'll come, you know, almost all the way to the surface. So that's why bow fishing is a uh, night sport in the summertime. And uh, there'll be uh, people bow fishing up until the weather starts to cool off again. Uh, as long as like the hotter the better for the bow fishing. And uh, you can throw frog gigging in there with that. Maybe do a combo one night. So. Most states in the South only allow bow fishing in the summer months? No, no. It's allowed any time of the year. It's just that the trash fish don't move back into the shallow water until the heat is really on. Uh, when it cools off, they're back 
out in deep water, you won't see them at night uh, in the shallows. Okay. What are trash fish? Uh, trash fish would be uh, opposite of a game fish. Number one is barely or not even edible for a human. And uh, carp, uh, you know, I, I've heard of people eating them, but it's, it's not a desirable fish. Uh, a carp actually uh, doesn't eat uh, minnows or crayfish or other, you know, uh, things like a bass does. It's uh, living off of uh, algae and plankton. And uh, now a gar, a gar, beat a, uh, he'll eat a, a, a white or a red sock. I mean, he just jig through the water. And uh, they are predators, but uh, well, not, what do you mean by white or red sock? I mean, people actually used to fish with those back in the day. Like sock you wear, like a human wear. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know if that's some other creature out there. I wasn't. Yeah, because and they get their teeth hung up in it. Ah. Right? Instead of catching them on a hook, they get their teeth hung up in the sock, and you can pull them in. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, man. We're talking with Craig Faulkner here on the Y'all.com, Y'all Show, fishing forecast for the weekend. I got I can't leave this one. Noodling. Have you done noodling? I have done it, uh, just kind of experimented with it. Uh, I, I've never been with anybody that was really uh, an expert at it. I've actually done it more as a dare. I, I did it in college a couple times with uh, a couple of drinks of courage before I tried it. But uh, I tried it in some hope. It, it's real popular. You'll see people doing it around uh, boat docks a lot because uh, a lot of times uh, those launches will uh, have washouts and stuff and develop holes down there. So if you're ever launching a boat, in a river or lake system, a river system in particular, and you see somebody in there in the water going up and down, that's that's what they're doing is they're noodling underneath that boat ramp. Hmm. Now, w- there's been at least one kind of reality-type show on that has chronicled these noodlers. And even if you're not into fishing, some of these noodlers are fairly good-looking folks. <laughs> the females often go out there in bikinis and noodle. I, I got to – Not that I'm trying to – ruin anybody's viewing but yeah that's uh, that's I, something that's out there and that's tv uh i gotta believe that's the exception more than the rule <laughs> okay that's not what the common thing have you seen that i have I yeah have. they're out there with cute little girls and bikinis out there noodling in, in fact i was on a uh, another program with uh, the director of communications for the twra a couple uh weeks ago and uh her and her whole family go noodling together. Hmm. They do it with other families. It's a family event. Well, it's crazy. I don't care who you do it with. Because there's other stuff beside catfish you might find when you stick your hand in that water. Uh, that's what I asked her. I said, uh, snapping turtle is one I really don't want to find. You know, you would be losing some fingers on that. And she said what? She never ran into one. But, you know. Hmm. I'm thinking of a water moccasin. Uh, that, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I certainly grew up uh, hunting and fishing in bottoms and swamps and don't have a big fear of snakes or anything else. But something about sticking my hand in a log underwater I can't see is yeah. pushing it a little bit far for me. All right. Well, if you're a noodler out there, that's a southern tradition for sure. And it is noodling time in Dixie right now in June, pushing into July. We got the water warming up. And you just need to be very careful if you're out there. We don't want you to come back without a finger or two. Also, here in the southeast, we want to let you know that 
it's bright and sunny and some of you try to get out to your lake or your fishing honey hole early in the morning you don't want to have that awful summer sun shining down on you and so you try to get out there early craig faulkner i don't want you to give us all your secrets here but i'm just going to have to ask you what is the best time for you to actually be out there catching fish in the summertime months? Well, the most comfortable time is early in the morning and late in the evening. And I had this thought come to me last Sunday when I was fishing, and uh, we kind of got off to a late start because I went to church before uh, fishing. And uh, I know you didn't pray for a good fishing day while you were in church, did you? You know, uh, I... I if I prayed for anything, it was that uh, the guy I was going with was not going to show up because I actually was not feeling good that day. <laughs> when okay. I got home from church, he was uh, sitting in my driveway with the boat on. I said, well, here we go. Well, you may not realize this, but one thing here, I don't mind talking about fishing and even the outdoors, but spe- fishing specifically here on the Y'all Show, you may not realize this, but actually that's something they did in the Bible. Are you familiar with that? As far as praying for fish? No, I'm just, I'm being facetious. That was what uh, a lot of people, what John, was John the Baptist a fisherman? I think all the. Uh, yeah, I think most of them were yeah. either sh- fishermen or shepherds, something you know, like that. Talking about praying and fishing, uh, I can remember uh, when I was in the second grade, uh, I, I was already fishing before I was in second grade, but. Uh, that upcoming uh, weekend, I was going uh, to this big new lake with uh, two of my uncles. And meanwhile, backing up a little bit, I was in a Catholic school. And uh, we would go to church. We were studying for our first communion. We'd go to church so many times a week. And the sisters and the priests would give us uh, lessons on learning how to pray. And sometimes they said, you know, just pray for anything you know pray for certain things but pray for anything and i prayed that whole week that i'd catch a big bass i'd never really been bass fishing in a sure enough bass boat bass fishing and i caught a three and a half pound bass that day and uh Never forget it as long as I live. Prayers were answered. And the Pope has excommunicated you for that. <laughs> so you you went out, you said, because it's more comfortable at the early time or late time, but that's not exactly what we're here to talk to you about. We're not comfort doesn't matter. Right. We want success. Well, what is your most successful? Well, time like of I day? said, going back to this last Sunday, and I've thought about this and I've known it for years because it steadily occurs. I cannot tell you how many times I've been out there to crack a dawn to start off fishing and anticipating that good bite. And and there is a bite right there at daylight and shortly thereafter. But for me, over the years, the best bite of the morning is the mid to late morning bite. And, uh, of course, it's warming up pretty good by then, but uh, even hot in a lot of days. But if I could pick... uh, Two hours out of the morning to fish, or maybe two hours out of the time entire day, I would say uh, 9.30 to 11.30 uh, is probably what I call the mid to late morning bite. And uh, over, like I said, over decades, it's been, it's been the best bite for me in the, in the hot summertime. And the sun's out, and but fish, I don't know why, they, they tend to feed during that period of time. 
So if you go out there and you your goal is to be there ready to conduct your fishing assassination from 9.30 to 11.30, that means you might can sleep in a little longer than your fellow fishermen? Well, I, I like to get out there early anyway. Do you? It's like I said, uh, yeah, you can uh, sleep in a little longer if you do that. But but if I'm going to go, I'm probably going to go from right at daylight to about noon. I, I usually cut it off about high noon. But uh, but if they're still biting, I'm I'm staying, mm. sweating and all. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just was wondering if you let others get out there at the crack of dawn to do their part. You get there at nine thirty. I was wondering what what time do you kind of need to be up and going by for sure to hit that nine thirty mark? Well, depending on how far it is to your boat ramp, you know, it's going to determine. Well, let's say it's thirty minutes away from your house. Thirty minutes from my house, and I got. I want to be there at nine thirty. Yeah. Well, if I got everything rigged up the night before, set to go, where I just got to jump in my truck and take off, uh, I'll leave the house at you know eight o'clock, so I'm take my time. I, I don't like to be rushed. I see. And what is rigged up? What does that mean? Boats gassed up, batteries are charged, uh, uh, boats hooked up to the truck. Uh, you got your cooler sitting in there. All you got to do is throw in a bag of ice. Maybe you already got your rods in your boat and you tackle. Uh, basically, you had not got to think about anything or remember everything. You got everything lined up, ready to go. Where do you Preparation. get your bag? Where do you have a bag of ice? A bag of ice out of my freezer. So you got a big enough freezer yeah. to hold a sure. bag of ice? Yeah. So you don't have to stop at the convenience yeah, store? Yeah, no stops. No okay, stops. all right. Well, that's Got drinks in the boat. Everything's ready. Uh, but drinks in the boat, but minus the ice. Yeah, right, right. And you just pour that you on. Got sandwiches made in the refrigerator. Ooh, man, you, you sound like you know what you're it's doing. Preparation. <laughs> Craig Faulkner knows what he's doing when it comes to fishing, but he also knows what he's doing when we talk about other great sports and great sportsman things going on in the southeast. And you're going to take advantage of this time of year to get ready for something that Southerners love to do when it's completely the opposite of what we got now. Cool, cold weather around the holidays when it's duck season. So what are you doing now to prepare for that very, very special time of year? Well, July is traditionally uh, a big month for uh, duck blind drawings throughout the South. And uh, duck blind drawings are a, uh, a big to-do in lots of places. Uh, I mean, it, it's almost like the fair coming to town. They've got all kinds of things set up, activities, vendors, and it's all about getting that first draw of the blind. Uh, different areas will have, you know, 20, 30, 40, 60 different blinds, and all those blinds have reputations. Number 22 is a great one, number 63 is a great one. So they know when they go up there for those drawings, if they're picked that one of those top 10 numbers in particular, they've got a whole list of blinds and they check them off as people pick blinds. And uh, in particular with the hunting guides, now you don't have to be a hunting guide to go up for the drawing, but uh, it's illegal, but so is gambling, and people have done it for years. But uh, and I've been involved in it myself, not personally, but witnessed. Uh, when an individual draws a good blind, he'll be approached by hunting guides for for a pretty good price. Hmm. And uh, you could be talking thousands and thousands of dollars. You're not supposed to you're not swap su- them out? You're not supposed to swap them out. But like I said, 
gambling's illegal too, and people have been doing it for years. So those guides want that more opportune time so they can then guides want it for a money maker because they're going to have a whole list of clients that they'll be taking throughout the year and what they'll normally do is if you if you're the one that has that blind and sells it uh they'll allow you to come in and hunt so many times at no charge and that's usually how it works out i see what is the typical length of a duck hunting season uh i want to say and i had duck hunted in years but uh I want to say traditionally it's the weekend after uh, Thanksgiving or maybe Thanksgiving weekend right there in mid to late November, mm-hmm. and, and then it'll run all the way through uh, end of January. Sometimes there's some uh, some kids' hunts uh, after the season, like the weekend after the season. I might have a special hunt for the youth. I see. And every state's a little different, so yeah. check out your local state. But yet is that time for duck blind drawing. Exactly. And another thing, it's a big time July, and deadlines are generally the end of July, is applications in your state for uh, special hunts, whether it be special hunts in special areas or special doe permits or uh, any kind of late season uh, hunts, uh, juvenile hunts, uh, a lot of de- a lot a lot of the applications deadlines are at the end of July. I see. So it's a busy time of year. Yeah, if you're going to be trying to squeeze in time with the kids and maybe go to the beach, you better not forget about things like your duck blind drawings. And if you're able to get out to a lake or pond or a river, you've got a good time of year to go noodling. That'd be a good family excursion. Everybody go noodling here and come back with all your fingers in tow. Craig Faulkner, thank you very much. Always a pleasure to have you on the Y'all Show and give us your fishing forecast for the weekend. Enjoyed it, John. All right. Well, I did, too. Hope all y'all enjoyed Craig. We'll come back with more of the show that covers everything Southern. Continuing on with Talk About Everything Southern with your host, John Rawl. Text us at your leisure, 803-816-1170. Today is the federal holiday for Juneteenth, and I have already made my declaration on this brand new holiday. How brand new is it? Likely, less than 24 hours ago, it was announced to federal workers from the U.S. Office of Personnel Management, an announcement that today the President of the United States signs the Juneteenth National Independence Day Act, establishing June 19th as a federal holiday. As the 19th falls on a Saturday, most federal employees will observe the holiday tomorrow, June 18th. And June 18th is today. So somewhere... In the personnel files of federal offices around the country, there were mass emails, phone calls, and said, hey, 
you've got a holiday tomorrow. I'm sure most of these federal employees would rather have had the holiday on Monday so they could plan a little bit better for it. But yeah, there's a brand new, the the 12th federal holiday has been established. It is called Juneteenth. And it is officially upon us starting this weekend as a federal holiday. States like West Virginia and Alabama just signed on Thursday laws, rules, declarations making Juneteenth an official state holiday in those states. I assume it's going to be ratified by every single state and will be an alternative or perhaps the replacement for July 4th because this thing is officially called let me make sure I don't mess it up here it is officially called the Juneteenth National Independence Day Act that was the legislation that was passed in the halls of Congress this week and it's the first federal holiday established since Congress established the Martin Luther King Jr. Day in 1983 All states except South Dakota observe Juneteenth, but not all give workers the day off. South Dakota not observing it. Hmm. Christy Dome likely going to get some pressure from the cancel culture of the world why her state does not have Juneteenth as a state holiday or some kind of recognition of it. This week, the U.S. House of Representatives voted 415 to 14 for this bill to pass. And among the 14 Republicans who voted no for it, two were from Alabama. I think one was from Tennessee, one from South Carolina, and then other states, primarily out of the South from what I remember, more concerned about the budget strength of this new federal holiday, Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth, all y'all. Do you go out and shoot fireworks now since it's kind of an Independence Day? <laughs> What's the tradition? We're, we're kind of creating this thing. I, I'd i like to know. Whew. Okay, to Tennessee, Knoxville. A woman in a Walmart there found partially naked and using an axe inside this Knoxville Walmart. Knoxville police responding to this Walmart store after a caller said a naked woman, and I mean N-E-K-K-E-D, naked, a naked woman throwing items at employees and then defecating upon herself. 35-year-old Nashe Brown found at the sporting goods section of this Walmart, and she had an axe and a knife tucked into her bra, according to the police report. The officers ordered Miss Brown to drop the axe, but she allegedly refused to comply. And now she's in the Knox County Jail, and she's charged with disorderly conduct, resisting arrest, and vandalism up to $1,000. One officer attempted to use a taser but was ineffective. I guess defecation and tasers don't necessarily go together. Another officer used their taser, and Brown was then taken into custody. I think she's going to be just fine. Needs help. Walmart estimates more than $500 worth of property was vandalized with this woman being there at their store. But again, getting naked in Walmart and now off 
to the Knox County Jail. West Virginia stepping up their efforts to get people vaccinated, and they've launched a campaign called Do It For Baby Dog. Is Baby Dog some kind of rapper there along the Monongahela in West Virginia? Where, what, who is, what is Baby Dog? Well, I have the answer. Just hold on. Baby Dog is Governor Jim Justice's beloved canine. I think it's a little bulldog named Baby Dog. And so when you get to be the governor, you can name marketing campaigns for vaccines after your dog. And that's what they've done. The lottery program where you can get prizes for getting vaccinated. They're giving away a million dollars a week. And I'm moving to West Virginia. Now, don't tell them I've been vaccinated. But, yeah, you can move to West Virginia real quick and win a a million dollars. And they've got other things. They're, They're giving away, I think, a car. They're giving away scholarship money in West Virginia because they're so far behind in people getting vaccinated. And listen to this list. Prizes, in addition to money, include custom-outfitted trucks, weekend vacations at West Virginia State Parks, lifetime hunting and fishing licenses, custom hunting rifles, and custom hunting shotguns. Oh, you had me at that. All as part part of this do-it-for-baby-dog that is Governor Jim Justice's beloved English Bulldog, and they've got weekly drawings, again, to boost up West Virginia's vaccination, weekly drawings all the way through August 4th to try to get West Virginians vaccinated and save lives, hopefully. And it's too late to register. They're going to have their first drawing on Sunday for this <laughs> incredible way to get people out and vaccinated in West Virginia. Do it for baby dog. Yes, sir. I'm I'm on it. I am definitely on it. And also, I want to let you, in case you missed it in the first hour, let you be aware of what's going on in Tennessee these days. It's bad enough. The Volunteer State's got black bears, mainly in East Tennessee, but scattered in other portions of the state. That that That's bad enough. It's bad enough that we've seen more and more alligators spotted in rivers like the Hatchie River in West Tennessee and even in portions of Memphis. I think they had a whopper in Shelby Farms not long ago in Memphis. I don't know if any reported in Nashville, but they're in Middle Tennessee in select places. So you got alligators in Tennessee. You got bears and, oh, look out, Tennessee. You have more and more reports coming in of cougars. And I'm not talking about 50-year-old women here. I'm talking about two-legged I'm not talking about like the two-legged kind. And nothing wrong with 50-year-old beautiful women or 60 or 70 or 80. These are the four-legged kind of cougars, and they are increasing in numbers in the volunteer state. Just throwing that out there in case you're riding and having a good time in Tennessee this weekend and you see something that looks like a cougar, well, it dang well could be just that. Mountain lion cougar, a puma, or even a panther, some people I think call them. And they're gaining in popularity and in numbers in Tennessee. Just 
to let you know. We've got a really feel-good story to tell you about in Hour 3 as we will revisit the headlines of the Y'all Show. We're going to tell you about brand new movies. And we're going to tell you about a Tennessee fella that's got a new movie hitting theaters this weekend. All that is coming up as we wrap up this second hour of The Y'all Show. Thank you, Mr. Jackson. Alan, that is. This is the Y'all Show. Time now, as we wrap up this second hour, to take a look at what's in movie theaters this weekend. You know, if it's 5 o'clock somewhere, it's a darn good chance now that theaters are opening up, you just might be able to catch a 5 o'clock matinee. Might even save you a few dollars if you're able to make it into the theaters. And if you do that, you just might see Mr. Jackson in a brand new movie but it ain't alan jackson it's a guy named samuel Leroy jackson aka samuel l jackson as this chattanooga native born in 1948 samuel l is 72 years young and looks like he just got out of high school he is one of the co-stars in the new action comedy the hitman's wife's bodyguard and that arrives this weekend, Ryan Reynolds is also in this, along with Antonio Banderas and Selma Hayek. Patrick Hughes directs this film, The Hitman's Wife Bodyguard, out this weekend. Ought to be a really cool movie to see and anything Samuel L. Jackson then. I like everything he does except for What's in Your Wallet. I could probably do without that one. Summer of 85, also out this weekend. It is a drama. And it is a foreign language film, it looks like, that's been turned into a movie in theaters. Also out this weekend, the documentary The Sparks Brothers. And that is a musical musical odyssey through five weird and wonderful decades with Ron and Russell Mayo celebrating the inspiring legacy of Sparks. Siberia is out this weekend. This one looks like a pretty fun movie because it's got Willem Dafoe. I like everything that guy's in. And it is out as a drama fantasy out this weekend called Siberia. You have a documentary on Rita Marino. It's available this weekend. Twelve Mighty Orphans arrives this weekend. Luke Wilson and Robert Duvall. I could watch everything that guy's in. Also, Martin Sheen is in this one. It is a history-type movie on a devoted high school football coach leading a team of orphans into a state championship in the Great Depression. That looks like a great movie for you and your family to go see. The Birthday Cake also out this weekend, and it is a thriller. Ewan McGregor and Val Kilmer 
are some of the stars in that one, if you're able to go to the theater. And The Serpent, also out this weekend. Some of the new movies that you can check out here in mid-June. We've got a third hour of the Y'all Show coming up. Don't miss out on the fun. I know you're just sitting there waiting to punch that time clock and hit the road. Yeah, get ready, get set, but hold on. You got another hour of the Y'all Show before you can do that. And I'm John Rawl. Glad to be here with you for this final hour of the workday and the work week, a national holiday. We find ourselves here. It's Juneteenth, the first official celebration of that And if you're a federal worker, you're enjoying your very first day off from Juneteenth, 2021. And just think, a week ago, you probably had never even heard of it. (laughs) That's the way it works in today's world. I'm John Rawl again. Thank you so much. Our telephone number is 803-816-1170. You can find us on the web, our website. It's the best four-letter word out there, y'all. It's Y-A-L-L dot com. The South's homepage. We've got so much good stuff up now. More good stuff coming. In fact, tune in on Saturday. In fact, if you tune in at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, you'll see a live production of Tricks of the Trade. And that will be coming from the y'all home improvement expert, John Allen and Jimmy Duke. And you can learn all about how to fix up your house if you want to tune in and see it being made They do a fantastic job each and every week on Tricks of the Trade with John Allen and Jimmy Duke. And that'll be, again, at y'all.com live. You can watch it. You can hear it. You you might even see an appearance from yours truly over there in the corner on Tricks of the Trade. And that, again, is at 9 Eastern, 8 Central on Saturday. To get your Juneteenth weekend going big time, you need to tune in to tricks of the trade and and that's just one of so much stuff we got going on in there we've got interviews with authors musicians we've got some political stuff up there we have sports stuff it's just it's just the i won't call it the the walmart of the south it's the y'all mart of the south y'all.com and it's the presenter of this here y'all show Thank y'all very much. Okay, what's going on here in Hour 3 as we wind up this work week? We've got a look at sports, a change in leadership for a NBA franchise in the Lone Star State. That happened on Thursday. I'll let you know in a handful of seconds. I'll slam dunk that story right to you. Also, a revisit of what's going on in Omaha this weekend. It's the College World Series. We also have going on this weekend the U.S. Open for golf. And I'll have an update from Thursday of some of the guys who went out there and shot really good scores for the U.S. Open from Torrey Pines. All that in our Southern Sports Update momentarily. You also have this hour, we're going to talk about the most liberal, I mean liberal, colleges in the South. And I'm also going to tell you about the most conservative colleges in the South as a 
ranking has just come out, and I'll share what Southern schools are on this list and some of the leaders across the nation of the most liberal and the most conservative schools for your kiddies or yourself to go to. And beware in some cases and sign up right now if that is something you're looking forward to, going to a liberal college or a conservative college. That is part of our cultural spotlight of this third hour. That's coming up. Also, we've got more headlines, a feel-good story about World War II that I'll share with you before we get out of here for the week. And we'll wrap it all up at the end of the hour with From Dixie with Love. That's a lot to get to. And you know what? I can't wait around anymore, but I do have to take me a sip of this delicious southern sweet slash unsweet tea. That's right. I'm kind of a half and half guy these days. Mm hmm. Ah, so good. So good. So good. What's going on, sports headlines on this Friday? Rick Carlisle, he has been shown the door. He will not return as the Dallas Mavericks coach after 13 seasons. His 13 seasons comes to an end one day after the departure of his longtime president of basketball operations, Donnie Nelson. And those guys were two of the key figures from the Mavs 2010-2011 season, a season of which they won the NBA championship. Carlisle, in a written statement, said that after a number of in-person conversations with Mavericks owner Mark Cuban over the last week, I informed him today that I will not be returning as head coach of the Dallas Mavericks. This was solely my decision. My family and I have had an amazing 13-year experience working with great people in a great city. The 61-year-old out as the head coach of the Dallas Mavericks, a team that expectations were there this year and they just weren't exactly able to get it to where they needed to in fact they've had the 22 year old superstar on the team Luka Doncic and that has not led them to the NBA finals but they've got a bright future but to be there as the head coach of this NBA franchise for that long says a lot about the former Virginia Cavalier Rick Carlisle He was a native of New York. Lisbon, New York was where he was raised before first playing his college basketball at the University of Maine, then transferred to Charlottesville and was part of the UVA basketball teams in the early 80s. I guess he would have been Ralph Sampson's teammate as he was there at UVA from 82 to 84. And I think that was 83 was the year UVA lost to NC State in both the ACC tournament, which allowed NC State to even get into the NCAA tournament and the Fice Apacataca, not Fice Lama Jamma, that was Houston Cougars, but the Cardiac Pack, the miracle run of Jim Valvano at NC State. And that was the year that they lost to NC State in the Elite Eight. And State went on to win in that dramatic alley-oop. Missed shot, if you will. It didn't matter. It counted. Carlisle went on from UVA to be a NBA player. He played for the Celtics for a number of years before ultimately playing for the Knicks and Nets as he wrapped up his career in 1989. Then went into coaching 
And he's been the head coach at three different franchises. He was with the Pistons back in the early 2000s, moved on from there to be the Indiana Pacers head man from 2003 to 2007, and then in 2008 hired as the man, the main maverick in Dallas as he was coaching there from 2008 to 2021. And now stepping aside as head coach of this NBA franchise, wishing well, as I said, he's been doing a long time, 61 years old, saying this was his decision, and who knows where he'll go from here. Likely, even though it doesn't sound like it, don't be surprised if the guy ends up being a darn NBA coach again in the next day or two. That's how this stuff works. History made on Thursday, and it's not history in a good way for the Arizona Diamondbacks. They lost to the San Francisco Giants in California, and as a result of that loss, the D-backs set the modern era record, the modern era record in Major League Baseball by losing the 23rd straight time on the road. That's pretty embarrassing. And they have now beat the mark previously set by the New York Mets of 1963 with 22 straight road losses. The 1943 Philadelphia Athletics also with futility on the road, losing 22. And now the record books will indicate that the Arizona Diamondbacks of the National League are the biggest losers, at least on the road, in Major League Baseball history. Losing to the San Francisco Giants 10-3 to on Thursday, the 23rd straight road loss. And I don't know when or if it's going to get any better for the Snakes. If you look at their schedule going forward, well, first of all, they're going to win at home. they got the Dodgers coming in this weekend. Trevor Bauer on the mound on this Friday versus Caleb Smith for the Snakes in a game in Phoenix. So they've got the Dodgers in town this weekend. Hmm. I don't know if they're going to win any this weekend at home. So it's it's a troubled franchise. The Orioles also have been troubled with road losses and such. If you look at the schedule, what's on tap for Major League Baseball on this Friday, the Cleveland Indians with an interleague matchup along the Monongahelas. They're taking on the Bucks in Pittsburgh. The Mets and the Nats with an NL East battle. A's will be against the Pinstripers in the Bronx this weekend. Blue Jays and Orioles getting together. Good matchup at Truist Park as Atlanta has the St. Louis Cardinals in town. Miami will be taking on the Cubs at Wrigley Field. The Twins and the Rangers getting together in Arlington. The Red Sox and Royals getting together. The Chicago Southsiders, the Sox will be in Houston this weekend. Milwaukee is taking on the Colorado Rockies on the Colorado landscape. Mile High City is where they'll be for that one. The Detroit Tigers will be in Tinseltown to take on the L.A. Halos. The Dodgers in Arizona, as I mentioned, they're getting together in Phoenix. The Phillies and the Giants on the diamond this weekend. The Reds and the Padres. And lastly, you got the Tampa Bay Rays all the way out in Seattle for a weekend series. And that's what's happening in the world of Major League Baseball this weekend. In the world of Major League Golf, you got the U.S. Open taking place at Torrey Pines. And we'll give you an update on some of the scores as a guy with a tie to the south, uh, Russell Henley, had a great day on the course, on the south course there in California as he shot four under. Also, 
Molinari, a guy who's won majors before, he shot three under the Italian with a very good first round in the U.S. Open. And I'm trying to make sure that what I'm pulling up here has the most accurate and up-to-date scores from the U.S. Open. The purse for this thing, by the way, is nearly $13 million, with the winner getting over $2 million, I think. Bryson DeChambeau is your defending champion. But Henley shot a first-round 67. He's a former Georgia Bulldog who I think makes his home, believe it or not, at the spot where the last major was held. I think he lives on Kiowa Island in South Carolina. And his 67 was good enough to have a very good first round. Several other players doing quite well. You had Brooks Kepka shooting two under. Xander Shoffley, an American there with two under. The defending Masters champ, Hideki Matsuyama, with a two under on Thursday as well. Roy, Roy McIlroy, he was two under. And a guy that a lot of people are really looking at this week because he is the odds-on favorite in many eyes because, first of all, he's ticked off. He got kicked out of the last tournament he played in because he tested positive for the coronavirus, but he's clear to go right now. Spaniard John Rahm also shooting two under on Thursday. And this tournament continuing on throughout the weekend. If you want to see some great golf, it's the U.S. Open from Torrey Pines in California this weekend. Now from Golf Tennis, and the number two tennis player in the world on the women's side is Naomi Osaka. And Osaka has withdrawn from the Wimbledon tournament to take personal time with friends and family. She's got something going on, y'all. Remember, she had to withdraw from the French Open. She decided to not take questions from the media. And this Japanese tennis player who grew up in America, she's got a American father and a Japanese mother. She claims to be from Japan. She was born in Japan. And she's going to play for Japan in the Olympics. But she spent most and still continues to be an American. And she has taken herself out of contention for the Wimbledon Tennis Championship in England this year. A tournament that was not even held in 2020. The 23-year-old, again, withdrawing from the French oven before the second round. Like I said, something's not quite right with Naomi Osaka tennis player and women's tennis player and to college football the miami hurricanes and the auburn tigers agreeing to a home and home series the hurricanes will host auburn on september 1st of the year 2029 and then they the next year fly up to the plains for a august 31st 2030 matchup at jordan hare stadium so the canes and auburn on the gridiron now they have not played since 1984 when they played in what was called a kickoff classic at giant stadium in east rutherford new jersey to start the 84 season a season that had a guy named bo jackson in the backfield for the auburn tigers and i guess 1984 was that the year after miami won the national championship so i don't know if kozar was still quarterbacking them or Jim Kelly, perhaps, was with Miami in 84. And I think I've run out of 1980s. Uh, Mark Rick was probably on the roster, the Georgia Bulldog guy, and uh, then went on to be the head coach of the Miami Hurricanes. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if he was there playing or not in 84, but, yeah, that was a game that happened back then. In addition to playing the Auburn Tigers, the Hurricanes have already set home-and-home games with Texas A&M, 
That actually begins in 2022 and 2023. They've got future games against the Florida Gators. Oh, that ought to be great, 2024, 2025. And coming on their schedule in 26 and 27, a rematch for the first time since the 1980s. And boy, if you want to see good football and fisticuffs, check out the South Carolina Gamecocks in Miami circa 1988 from the old Orange Bowl. Todd Ellis was quarterback, and uh, it got really, really nasty there in that game between the, the Gamecocks and the Miami Hurricanes back in the really rough days of college football, especially for the Miami Hurricanes. But, yeah, how about that? Several SEC teams showing up on Miami's future schedule. Way to go, Hurricanes. Way to go, you. And that the news there. Now, the SIAC, have you heard of the SIAC? Well, you should have. It is a Division II conference of historic black colleges, the Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. And the SIAC has just announced that they're going to have a partnership with ESPN. And it starts this year, September 5th, when the inaugural Red Tails Classic will be played in Montgomery, Alabama, a game between Tuskegee and Fort Valley State. And additional games will be played on the ESPN networks and or ESPN+. Plus. It's a deal that runs through the year 2027. I don't have financials on it, but this is a Division II level HBCU conference that's now partnered with ESPN. And here's the breakdown of who all is in the SIAC. You can go to their website, thesiac.com, to learn more. Members, they got a bunch of members. They've got an East Division and a West Division in Division II football. East members include the Savannah State Tigers, Albany State, Fort Valley State, the Morehouse Tigers, and the Benedict Tigers from Columbia, South Carolina, by the way. Clark Atlanta is also in the East Division of the SIAC. Now they have a West Division, and their West Division includes Miles, and I think Miles is in Tuscaloosa. Tuskegee, that is in Tuskegee, Alabama. They're in there. You got Kentucky State out of Frankfort, Kentucky. Lane College out of Jackson, Tennessee. And Central State are all members of the SIAC. And they've got this new deal with the ESPN family of networks. And you might just be able to see some Division II football with this new partnership. Congratulations to the SIAC represent (laughs) y'all now to the college world series that's going on this weekend in omaha nebraska and we want to let you know the schedule in case you want to tune in and you can see the first game first pitch delivered saturday afternoon on espn between the stanford cardinal and the south's own nc state wolfpack that's going to be a 2 p.m eastern 1 p.m central time first pitch between the Pac-12 and the ACC. Game two on Saturday has the Vanderbilt Commodores, the defending national champions of college baseball, Vandy, and a very, very powerful Arizona Wildcat team get together on ESPN set for 7 Eastern, 6 Central Omaha time. And then that's the action Saturday. Tune in Sunday. On Sunday afternoon, starting at 2 Eastern, 1 o'clock Omaha time, the Virginia Cavaliers are back in Omaha UVA is taking on a resurgent Tennessee volunteer program, the Vols and the Hoos, Sunday afternoon. And then following that one, the nightcap, 
of the first round action. Game four of the College World Series has the Texas Longhorns and Chris Lamonis' Mississippi State Bulldogs. That'll be a 7 Eastern, 6 Central start on ESPN2. ESPN2 has the games on Sunday. ESPN, the mothership, has the games on Saturday. And that is a look at all of the College World Series set up for this weekend. And remember, they play throughout all of next week with losers brackets and winners brackets and more. And they're going to work their way up to the CWS Finals, which will begin on Monday, June 28th on ESPN2. And then they'll have that Game 1 on that Monday, followed by Game 2 on Tuesday. And then if they need a third deciding Game 3, that will be Wednesday, June 30th. The College World Series from Omaha, Nebraska. Yes, you can get ready for real excitement here in the South. And as we go to break, I actually have somewhere here in the archives, I better pull it up because this is something that a lot of people enjoy hearing. It is the theme song for the College World Series, and I've got it in there somewhere. i got to use my brain here, if you don't mind, to figure out where the heck it is. Uh, I guess I could cheat and do a little search, but uh, it's a song you never hear except for the College World Series, and it is College World Series time in Omaha, Nebraska. And come on, come on, I know you're in here somewhere. Where are you, Omaha song? Hmm, hmm, hmm. I know I've got it somewhere. Let me give give me just a second. I, okay, okay. I'm, I'm working. I'm a working man. And and let's see. I'm gonna look one more spot here. I've kind of got a collection of all kinds of songs. It's in here somewhere. I apologize, Lord. I apologize. <laughs> But congratulations to the six Southern teams that are making their way to Omaha for the College World Series this week. Coming up on the Y'all Show, speaking of colleges, we're not going to be talking about baseball. We're going to be talking in the next segment about the most liberal and the most conservative colleges in the U.S. of A. And we'll kind of center in on the Southeast. What colleges are the most liberal? Some of you may say the worst. What colleges are the most conservative? Some of you may say the worst. We'll have that info right after this break. Blake Shelton today. Blake Shelton turns 45 years old. He's about to get married. And that's one of his great songs. There, a rather southern song from Blake Shelton teamed up with a good Louisiana fella and Trace Atkins. And those two represent the South so well. 
Trace Atkins represents Louisiana Tech very well. He's an alumnus of that school, played a little football there in Lincoln Parish. I don't know if Blake Shelton went to a four-year school or not. I don't think he did, but that's okay. I think Blake's doing quite all right, college or no college. And speaking of colleges, right now, thanks to the website niche.com, we have a breakdown of the most liberal and the most conservative colleges in America, and I'm going to pay close attention to the ones in the 16 southern states. In case you haven't heard what states we serve here, we're in the service industry, y'all. We service Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Missouri, Mississippi, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and we also are all about West Virginia. All that right here on Talk with a Southern Accent. So with you knowing, we really like to pay close attention to those 16 Southern states, the states where you can go and say y'all and you don't get laughed out of the building. (laughs) That's what we're here for, to service all y'all. So according to Niche.com, they've examined all of these schools and their research shows the most liberal and most conservative colleges in the country. And get ready. Get ready. Here we go. I'm going to start with like the number 20 and work my way up. And I'm going to skip past, or I'm going to maybe tell you the school, but I'm not going to tell you a lot about it if it's not one of the schools in the Southeast. So we'll start with liberal schools. The 20th most liberal college in America is Colorado College in Colorado Springs. That's right beside the Air Force Academy, which I don't think is very liberal. I wonder how well they get together and hang out there in Colorado Springs. Colorado College, number 20. This is no surprise. The 20th, if that was 20, number 19 in the country for most liberal. Berkeley, Cal, a.k.a. University of California, Berkeley. The 18th most liberal college in America is located in New York City. It's CUNY SUNY Hunter College. City University of New York Hunter College. I think it's how that SUNY is how they say it. I think The University of Washington in Seattle is the 17th most liberal college. Portland State and Portland, kind of getting the theme here, don't you think? Left Coast, yeah, they call it that for a reason. Portland State is the 16th most liberal college. Ramapo College of New Jersey is number 15. Never heard of that one. Number 14 in Granville, Ohio, Denison University, the 14th most liberal school. Not Phil Vassar, but Vassar College in Poughkeepsie, New York, is the 13th most liberal school in the country, according to Nish.com. Bernard College in New York is the 12th most liberal school. And then you got Boston University, not Boston College, Boston University, the Terriers, right in the heart of downtown Beantown, the 11th most liberal college in America is BU. Number 10 is Oregon. It is the 10th most liberal college in America according to Niche.com. You can go to the website, NICH.com, to learn more. NYU, New York University, is the ninth most liberal college in America, number eight. And this one's a real shocker. It's in Utah, for goodness sake. Independence University is, according to Niche, the eighth most liberal college in America. I still haven't told you one Southern college yet on this list of most liberal schools. Number seven, Mount Holyoke College in South Hadley, Massachusetts. It's the seventh most liberal college in America. Number six, Stony Brook University, SUNY in Stony Brook, 
they used to have a pretty good baseball team and a pretty good football team, I think. Stony Brook, the sixth most liberal college. I think it's on Long Island. That's where that's located. Number five, I've heard of this school, Northwestern, Charlton Heston's alma mater. The Wildcats are the fifth most liberal college there in Evanston, north of Chicago. Number four, oh, Bernie would be proud. The fourth most liberal college in America is the University of Vermont in Burlington. I think Burlington, was that where Bernie Sanders used to be the mayor of? I haven't studied up on my Vermont history here lately. Sorry. Number three. No, 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 no. Sorry. This was an ad stuck in here. Number three, University of California, Santa Cruz. They're the third most liberal college in America. Number two is also in Boston, Northeastern University, the second most liberal college in America. And the number one college, and it is in kind of sort of the South. It's not even in a Southern state. But we kind of sort of claim this place. According to Niche.com, the most liberal college in the good old U.S. of A. is located in our nation's capital, American University. Okay, there we have it. We saved the best for last on the most liberal colleges of America, according to Niche.com. So... Let me get another swig of the sweet tea over here because I'm going to need it for the most conservative colleges. So if, you, if you're a liberal, you might want to sign up to American University. And, and, and it's the number one liberal school, not just liberal arts, liberal, like, like liberal school in America. <laughs> All right, I got to get refueled for this one. Now, looking at the top 20 most conservative colleges in America, and I bet you we're going to have a few of these in the South. That's just a, a guess. Yes, we do. Starting at number 20. In beautiful downtown Tigerville, South Carolina. It ain't Clemson. It's in Tigerville. It's North Greenville University. That's actually a private school. I think a religious school. In North Greenville University. It is the 20th most conservative college in America. Number 19, Sam U. Sam, not Stan, home of the Bulldogs, the alma mater of Bobby Bowden and Jimbo Fisher, and one of the members of Little Big Town. It's Samford University in Homewood, Alabama. Go Bulldogs. It's the 19th most conservative college in America out of the Southern Conference. Number 18 is a school in Longview, Texas, home of Neil McCoy, Letourneau University, the 18th most conservative college in America. Up next, how about them Skyhawks? The University of Tennessee Martin, UTM, is your 17th most conservative college in America. It makes me want to go to the grinder and have one of them hamburgers right next to the UT Martin campus. A hamburger that's made out of donuts. That's the bun. It's a two donuts with hamburger meat stuck in the middle. It's really good. Go to Martin, Tennessee, and then stop by the campus next door and enjoy your 17th most conservative college in America, UT Martin. Number 16, a, a school outside of the South made this list in Steubenville, Ohio, which I think is right on the Ohio River, so it's about mm, a, a, a three wood away from the South. Franciscan University of Steubenville is the 16th most conservative college in America, according to Niche.com. Number 15 is definitely not in the South. This is 
in Watertown, Wisconsin, Marantha Baptist University, number 15. Number 14, in Pennsylvania, Grove City College. It is your 14th most conservative college in America. Number 13, in Upland, Indiana, Taylor University. Number 12, in West Palm Beach, in Florida, it's Palm Beach Atlantic University, PBAU, the 12th most conservative college in America. Number 11, home of the Nighthawks in Dahlonega, Georgia, with campuses in Gainesville and Athens, too. It's the University of North Georgia, one of the only five senior military colleges in America. If it's not five, it's seven. I should know that. And I still haven't seen my college on here. (laughs) I've got two of them that ought to be on this list of my undergrad and graduate school. All right, number 10 is home of the Cowboys, University of Wyoming, the 10th most conservative college in America. Utah State in Logan, the Aggies coming in at number 9 on the most conservative college list, according to Niche.com. Number 8, been on this campus, Bradley County, Tennessee, home of Lee University. Lee University, the 8th most conservative college. That is in Cleveland, and that is just northeast of Chattanooga. Lee University. Number seven in California, you have Biola University. Number six, school that got in the news a lot for how conservative they were. I guess they've softened up a little bit from Greenville, South Carolina, not Furman, but Bob Jones University is the sixth most conservative college in America. Number five is Colorado Christian University, good old CCU. Coming in at number four on the most conservative college in America list, the Brigham Young University in Provo, home of the Cougars. They are, of course, the Mormon college there based in Provo, BYU, number four. Number three on this list is from Cedarville, Ohio, Cedarville University. The number two most conservative college in America is Liberty University, Lynchburg, Virginia. And, of course, with about 100 million people online going to that school, and the number one college for being a conservative school in America is Brigham, Union, Brigham Young University, Idaho. Did you know they had a campus in Rexburg, Idaho? Well, evidently they do. And if you go there, you'll find the number one most conservative college in America. Again, all this according to the website niche.com. If your school's not on there, and I don't know why neither of the two colleges I attended are not on there, they should have been. I thought they would be on the conservative list, that is, but they didn't make it. So congratulations to those who did make it on either the conservative or if you want to be a liberal, you might you might have made it on that liberal list. We'll come right back. we got a feel-good story about World War II and a great hero of yesteryear from the South. All that is up as we are kind of winding this Friday show down. Talk with a Southern accent. That's what we do here on The Y'all Show.
We're back here kind of wrapping things up here on this end of the week fun that we call Y'all Show Friday. And an update from Holly Springs, Georgia. We know now the name of the Holly Springs, Georgia police officer that was killed in the line of duty this week. Joe Burson was 25 years old and was conducting a traffic stop at this Cherokee, Georgia, this Cherokee County, Georgia community. And he did a traffic stop on a speeding vehicle. The vehicle then proceeded to try to drive off with person being dragged, and he ended up firing bullets. The suspect was shot and killed. Unfortunately, Burson was dragged, and he ended up dying as a result of this incident. He was wearing a body camera, and more information will be forthcoming. But this 25-year-old was married. He did not have children. His chief of police there in Holly Springs, Georgia, Tommy Kelly, said that Burson was a relatively new officer who had been on the force for between a year and a year and a half. And Chief Kelly praised him as a model officer, saying, if you have the ability to clone police officers, you would have wanted your officers to be Joe Burson. He has been an asset to this department. He will be greatly missed. A hero in blue killed in the line of duty this week in Holly Springs, Georgia. That's not far from Canton, Georgia, roughly an hour north of Atlanta. Our thoughts certainly to the Burson family and to the Holly Springs, Georgia Police Department. A victory in the Supreme Court on Thursday for religious groups, as it was announced that the Supreme Court unanimously sided with a Catholic foster care agency that says its religious views prevent it from working with same-sex couples. The court said the city of Philadelphia, it wrongly limited its relationship with this group as a result of the agency's policy. And again, a, a unanimous decision in this Supreme Court case for religious groups, that should be a victory coming from the nation's highest court. The St. Louis couple that got famous for pointing guns at Black Lives Matter marchers in their neighborhood over this past year, they have pled guilty to misdemeanor charges. In St. Louis on Thursday, both the husband, Mark McCloskey, and his wife, Patricia, pleading guilty. She pleaded guilty to misdemeanor harassment and fined $2,000. Mark pleaded guilty to misdemeanor fourth-degree assault. He was fined only $750. See, it's not fair. How did the wife get charged more? Here's what really sticks it to these guys, the guy and gal. A couple, they're lawyers, both of them, and they're in their 60s, by the way, their age, but they have to give up the weapons that they used during this confrontation last year. I'm sure that's pretty expensive. And now Mark is running for U.S. Senate in the state of Missouri. Show me Mark McCloskey. That the news out of St. Louis on Thursday. And also, as we wrap up our headlines here on today's Y'all Show, A former mayor in Georgia is being honored by France. Vincent Homeril, the council general of France in Atlanta, he placed the Legion of Honor on 96-year-old Dennis Trudeau in Grovetown, Georgia. And Trudeau was once mayor of this city in the Augusta area of Georgia, there in the CSRA Now, Mr. Trudeau fought in Normandy on D-Day, and he served in the Canadian Army. And now, in his post-World War II years, found his way into Georgia, where he ended up being 
What a boot that. He ended up being the mayor of Grovetown, Georgia, a guy from Canada. How about that? Dennis Trudeau. I wonder if he's kin to Pierre, the former prime minister of Canada. And he gets from the Council General of France in Atlanta, Vincent Hamriel, giving this incredible honor to this World War II hero from Canada, but now right here in the South, receiving this very, very special honor from Canada. This last couple of days, this medal, which recognizes his service, liberating Canada or liberating France as Canada joined Great Britain and other countries associated with Great Britain, the crown at that time. And then ultimately America got involved and freed Europe of Nazi Germany and the atrocities and more. And now Mr. Trudeau wears the Legion of Honor from France for his incredible service in World War II and how about that? 96 years old in Grovetown, Georgia. Congratulations. We're going to wrap up the Y'all Show after this quick timeout from Dixie with Love is up next, y'all. Stay tuned. It is Talk with a Southern Accent. We're just so proud for you to be here on Talk with a Southern Accent. Getting ready to turn it on here in a second. Get ready. Oh, she is not a native Southerner, but my goodness, we really missed the mark on that one. Martina McBride, the Kansas girl that has lived in Middle Tennessee for 40 years, probably. What a good song. What a what a voice, Martina McBride. Well, we have come to the end of this Friday Y'all show. I can't thank y'all enough for being a part of the fun and for putting up with all the fun throughout the entire week here on Y'all. And I'm going to have to get another swig of this tea, which reminds me, uh, I don't have it currently in this particular cup of delicious southern tea. Is it me or is it always when I have the most valuable and or colorful shirt on maybe even with a necktie that that's the one time when i go to a restaurant and i get me a glass of a beverage that i start trying to get all that's in that beverage out before i leave and so i take that cup and i have to tilt it up a little bit to get all the good stuff out of the bottom and 
this happened to me on Thursday. Is it me or why in the world does it happen this way that it's that time, not when you're wearing a dirty old T-shirt in the restaurant, the ice in that drink kind of all of a sudden in mass comes pouring out onto your shirt and you're thinking, how in the world could this have happened to me? I had that happen on Thursday and I know you probably can relate, especially if you're one of those turner uppers like I am. You, you want to turn that thing up, especially if you got a drink with lots of ice. You want to get that good stuff out because I don't like to, I mean, sometimes I'll put a Coke in first and then I'll switch over and get tea before I get out of the restaurant. I'm a switch hitter <laughs> and I want to get all that Coke down out of that, that cup. And so to do that, I got to turn it up and, and that's right when that ice just kind of, it's like a broken iceberg just comes flowing right into my face and down. I, I look like a complete bozo, but that's the fun of living in the South. Is it not? What's also fun living in the South is knowing that this show here is your Southern connection. I'm John Rawl. Thanking you for being a part of the y'all show. We have had an absolute blast here this week with you, and we're going to do it all again next week. We've got talk with a Southern accent coming your way Monday. Jerry Short will be on. He is the Taka Polar Storyteller. We're going to have a very special guest, or we're supposed to have a very special guest. If you like the stories that Jerry Short tells us on Monday, we're going to have a female counterpart, and he doesn't even know about this yet. And I don't know if I can put him in the same room or not, but we'll have Jerry and a very special guest joining us. And warning, she is the definition of Southern. You think I'm Southern? Oh, she is super certified Southern American. And we'll have that special guest. I can't tell you the name. But you just got to tune in Monday and enjoy that conversation. Also, next week, we'll have Matt Herman's back on, getting you ready for the 4th of July barbecuing and get his take on college baseball while we're at it. College World Series, again, commencing this weekend. That plus some great interviews. We'll have this great act that was featured here in today's Y'all Show second hour. We'll be having an interview with Christian contemporary group We the Kingdom. That will be on next week on the y'all show that and so much more thank you so much have a wonderful juneteenth have a wonderful weekend we will see you back here next week for talk with a southern accent from dixie with love's gonna get us to the house y'all